All right. Well, welcome everybody to the May 16th edition of Cascadian Views. Uh, I've got Dan and Chris here with me to alleviate the lockdown boredom. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Good. How are you? That's kind of what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> News is slow. <laughs> it is so slow. The episodes have been getting pretty short lately. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not a whole lot going on. There, there actually is a fair bit of news this week. Um, I, I guess we'll start with the most outrage bait uh, of them. The oh, uh, Trump, the media is running with Trump as fire, the state inspector general. He didn't actually do that. He's not legally allowed to do that. Uh, Trump has submitted a 30-day notice of intent to fire the, uh, the state attorney general, or inspector general, excuse me. State Department Inspector General to Congress, uh, and Congress has the power to act to keep him in his position, but, you know, the Republican Senate's probably not going to bite, so it means in 30 days he'll be gone. You don't think Mitch McConnell will uphold the rule of law? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in We're fact, a comedy podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of uh, a lot of Republican senators are basically throwing the guy under the bus, uh, and Obama with him. They're they're mentioning mm -hmm. that he's in that position because Obama was finally forced, I guess, to appoint somebody after four years of leaving that position vacant. Um, and then they piled Which on is the guy. Which a funny thing for this administration to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And then they piled on the guy for not investigating the origin of the Russia hoax, uh, which is what they, uh, you know call the whole investigation that led to the Mueller report and impeachment and all that. Obamagate. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, that's the other thing that's gone down. The president just started throwing around the words Obamagate. Uh, literally, sometimes in all caps with like three exclamation points, and that's the only word in this tweet. Just Obamagate. He's done that like three times today. I don't know if you guys followed his Twitter feed. Not joking. Uh, he was asked you to identify... at least hashtag it. <laughs> a trend or something. He, uh, he kind of just blurted it out. He's been asked to explain what he meant by that or what exactly he's saying, and uh, he has no idea. <laughs> Not a clue. No, of course. Pull the media to go investigate. Although his answer out. to that was one of the things. I'm sorry, what did you say, Chris? Well, his answer to that was one of my favorite things from the news in the last week, where he basically told the reporter, you all know what it's about. Yeah. Just read the papers. Your paper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of on that topic, One American News has been getting super like conspiratorial lately. They ran a special about George Soros and Hillary Clinton and how they're all connected and how their money goes everywhere and how they're pulling the strings of the Democratic Party and stuff. It was it was really weird. It was like some '90s flashbacks. Yeah, and again, they're they're in power, so it's very weird that this is what's coming out now. But yeah, usually it's the side that's out of power that comes up with these, e even fairly plausible ones, like you know, the the October surprise conspiracy theory wouldn't have been a thing if we had won that election. Right. Yeah, like those, even the ones where there may be, you know, some reason to suspect that they might be true, they all come out of, you know, people soul searching in defeat or in opposition or whatnot. 
you don't usually see that out of the the party in power. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's not really party. Okay, let's try that again. One of you two to go. Yeah, go for it, Chris. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say he's not really a party. He hijacked the Republican Party, but he's he pretty like well taken it over. I feel like his grip has gotten stronger on the party, if not quite as strong on the elected officials. Right. Uh, like, you know, McConnell yeah. backtracked on the whole Obama didn't leave a plan thing. He even apologized and said he was incorrect to the press, uh, like on tape. You can watch a video of it. That's not something I could ever see Trump doing. So I, I kind of get the fact that, you know, he may not have control over the establishment Republican Party, but he absolutely has control over the Republican Party base. They're voters. 100%. More so than many of those guys do. It's how he won in the first place. You know, the nomination, certainly. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, and or he has changed what the base is. I don't necessarily buy that so much. It, for all that you know, we can look at it, it, it was pretty close to a standard election in 2016. The coalitions were not that different from how they were. They just cut across state lines a little bit, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. like that, that was more or less a, a generic electorate. There was a, a little bit of a fall off in, in white support for the Democrat, but that's kind of just been a trend that's been there for you know 50 years now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I would say that the, but I guess when I say this, I'm kind of thinking of party elites in a way. You know, a lot of the party elites have bugged out. Yeah. yeah <laughs> There's never Trumpers. But in fact, a lot of the party itself in office has bugged out. Uh, there's been a huge churn in Republican ranks uh, since Trump took office, only like a third of the Republican office holders who were in office when Trump took on uh, the presidency are still there. Uh, a lot of them lost in the midterms and other ones have retired, just don't want to deal with this shit, passed it on to somebody who wants to be in Trump's party. There's been a, a huge wave of retirements, a huge wave of defeats. Uh, yeah, the, the people in the party now are either new Trump people or have decided to stick with this for a while. I just I, I keep coming around to the feeling that that party is fundamentally broken at this point and something has to happen. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. Let's let's tackle the topic that I don't feel good addressing. Uh, and, and before we <laughs> even really get into it, I'll, I'll talk about why I don't super feel comfortable with this. Um, we're we're going to talk a little bit about Tara Reid. She's the, the former staffer for Joe Biden who has alleged um, several different stories. Um, the one she gave the media last year was that he sexually harassed her. She felt sexualized, was uh, told to dress in a pretty dress and serve drinks and be eye candy, and she really didn't like that, and she left the office. Um, that story has since evolved into he bent her over in a hallway and digitally raped her, um, stuck his fingers up inside her and whatnot. Um, 
There was a big piece on Politico today. I don't know if you guys read it. I didn't link into the group. It, it felt too much like gossip. Um, but yeah. just this incredible trail of like burnt bridges behind Tara Reid over the course of the last like 20 years and just these a number of people she screwed over a, a lot of the same patterns where she tries to get money begs for you know forgiveness on rent then goes a little bit off the deep end screws everything up like just trashes the place and gets on out of there they they talked with like six or seven different former landlords that it happened to um I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure she's all there uh really it sounds like somebody has led a tough life and maybe this biden thing is part of it i, I don't actually know and i'm not making a value judgment here but i a i don't really want to gawk at the crazy person if, if that's what it is and also it's hard to discuss this in a way where uh, especially with the pieces that are coming out if what happened to her did happen to her it doesn't make me sound like i'm you know trashing a victim uh because that that is very much a possibility i, I think the issue is pretty much clouded by her own actions to the point where we can't really get to the depth of it uh and so i, I don't really know what conclusions i can draw so both seem to me to be ones that i have to like respect and in both ways i i just i don't super feel comfortable like upping the profile uh, of the story and obviously I'm, I'm wrong i mean it's all over all the news uh, every news organization in this country is covering it uh so yeah. i know enough to realize that i'm wrong but that's just how it makes me feel no but i think that was my impulse for a long time like the best thing we can do is really not talk about it too much in terms of the credibility of the story and you know but it's it's now not possible to not talk about it too much yeah mm -hmm. i i have a very instinctual gut reaction that the the like latest extreme of the story that doesn't jive with everything we know about biden and we we actually do know a bit about biden like a lot including what he does wrong and what he does right um listening to her original story where the senator wanted eye candy and a pretty dress to pass out drinks and you know sit around and be pretty i can 100 percent see body doing that absolutely that is something that i i don't think he would even blink an eye at i hope he dead people to like tell him you know what let let's rethink that but just knowing the fact that he's you know like a 75 year old man from you know scranton pennsylvania and everything that entails and whatnot i i totally buy that i just have such a hard time seeing biden actually violate somebody though like the, the story has changed to now in the primary yeah i mean what i think has gotten a lot of this to stick or at least to continue to be shuffled around and given you know some degree of credibility is the fact that you know we're dealing with a person who is you know he's a little bit of a man out of time yeah. i think he's described that pretty well 75 year old senator who's been around a long time he's you know from a slightly different era he's not totally you know mad men era you know because really you know, he was born in 40 
I want to say 43, 44, you know, somewhere in there. So he's, it, it's not like he's got the excuse if he's from the time when you just had your way with anyone you wanted in the office because it was such a rarity. Uh, but hmm, I'm trying to think of where I was going with this. I mean, that's kind of what's led it to accumulate. And he's had a pretty documented history of boundary issues in public. I mean, you've got, you can run a big old clip show of every time he's, you know, touched someone on the shoulders or hugged a little too long, you know, things like that. What the behavior that's described though, it, it, like you, like you said, it's, it's a bit of a departure from that. I mean, it's, it, it, I think one of the things we've learned very much in the age of Me Too is we can't definitively say, you know, no, that guy would never do that because it turns out that a lot of people we might have thought that have been total monsters. Right. But, I mean, there's a couple of things that don't make a lot of sense, even in the original story. And I don't know if you guys saw, there was also a PBS story that came out uh, yesterday not covering quite the same ground, but it was mostly looking at practices in Biden's office and talking to his old staffers and some of the stuff like yep. having her serve drinks. I mean, what they ran into right there is that's a Hatch Act violation. She was a Senate staffer, and they're talk she's talking about being invited to serve drinks at fundraisers for donors. Yeah, so it's some, something that really wouldn't have jibed with being a practice at all in an office that was following the law. The Hatch Act, though, is like the least enforced law in the books. Oh, sure. But it's also, it's not so much a matter of enforcement, but it's a matter of respect for the law. And if there's a climate of that in the office, and a lot of these former Biden staffers saying absolutely that was a line that Biden doesn't cross, and yeah. that there's no history of that happening, that's different. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I find that easy to believe, too, that he'd tow that line. This is the guy who rode the fucking train to and from D.C. every day yeah. of his congressional career. Like, he's not yeah. the kind to, you know, really push the limits on fundraising and whatnot. He's not, you know, taking jets. And even in his personal behavior, I mean, the, he gets described like he's, you know, Ted Kennedy back in the day, but he's, he's a teetotaler. So it's well, not like he's having these boozy fundraisers where he's going around you know, losing control of himself and there putting at, his hands where he should. So there are several documented cases where he was hanging out with, um, God, what's the... The guy who's on the short list of BYB, uh, BVP on Biden's team, or at um, least they floated the idea. Older senator, uh, kind of a pudgy guy. I forget his name now. Um, <laughs> just wait. described every senator. Yeah, you know what? That's Somebody on really Biden? Hmm? Yeah, a name that was floated last week on Biden. Uh, hold on a second. Chris Dodd. There we go. Uh, uh, yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are plenty of well, documented cases of... Uh, not Biden's bad behavior, but Chris Dodd's absolutely an abhorrent behavior while drunk that Biden, like, observes and tries to clean up afterwards, but does nothing to, like, stop. Yeah. 
And uh, again, that's again a little bit of guilt by association because you know yeah. I was just mentioning Ted Kennedy, one of his long time you know friendly associations in the Senate was Orrin Hatch, another guy who is you know I I, I assume you know completely sober and yeah. Mormon and stick so far up his ass that you couldn't even picture yeah there's not a whiff of bad mormon coming from him this is a man that obeys church law exactly uh in to correct myself by the way chris dodd was not on the vp shortlist he's chairing the committee to select biden's vp Uh, i got that slightly wrong yeah that's how dick got into it (laughs) right yeah he's uh he's been appointed to lead the selection committee He's got the wrong chromosomes. Biden's made other commitments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, actually, yeah, that's something that came up in the debates that I, I don't think about enough now. But Biden made two really big commitments in one debate. It was a woman for VP and a black woman for a Supreme Court. Bit. That's, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. Um, if you want to read that Politico Tara Reid piece, um, I mean, they basically just went through everybody in her life. There's been some other things that came out. Uh, there's some dispute over a, uh, a, fr- a check fraud charge that she, she caught four days before leaving Biden's office. Um, her lawyer says it's, you know, a pretty routine bounce check that used to happen all the time before there were things like, you know, overdraft protection and shit on your debit account. Uh, this was like 93 or 94 or whatever, um, and that it was taken care of. She was never formally charged. She was arrested, uh, so that does support her mm-hmm. side of that. Uh, what does not support her side of that is uh, the the county had a check diversion program, a bad check diversion program, where if it was your first bad check, you could pay restitution plus a fee plus works you know, a couple hours of community service, and they call it good, no criminal charge. It was only open to county residents, though, uh, and at the time she would have been working at the D.C. office. Uh, so either they mm. waived that for her, uh, or something else is going on. I probably believe her lawyer on that. That seems like the type of thing that you know probably cut somebody a little slack on the rules with if it was a first offense and all that. Um, but yeah, that, that also came up and might have been a reason for her departure. Check fraud is a I mean, that's that's a charge that's going to get your boss in trouble if you work for a politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's also a perfectly plausible reason for her leaving the employment at that time. Uh, anyways. It was also like a year or two after the big uh, bounce check scandal in uh, D.C. anyway, in congressional offices. So, yeah. So there's a there's a whole rabbit hole on that. It's a convoluted mm-hmm. mess. I don't believe there are going to be any answers on that. And uh, I mean, check it out if you're interested. Yeah. Uh, what I've kind of said also is that this is the sort of stuff that a scrupulous reporter, a scrupulous investigator, looks into and tries to determine before they go ahead and break a story whether or not this is in someone's past uh, if there are issues that really speak to their credibility you know ronan farrow that's kind of the thing they dig into and the people that have gone ahead and disregarded that and pushed her into the public eye for reasons of their own have done her a major disservice in doing so 
and and real journalists <laughs> did that. She went to the media a year ago, um, right, and, and gave the story to three different news outlets. None of them ran with it. All of them looked into it. All of them put yeah. extensive research into it. None of them ran with it. Yeah, uh, and. You know, when her lawyers started coming out and trashing the media for not picking up this story earlier, they, they came with notes it, exactly why they didn't run with this story and exactly what they found out and what details didn't line up. And, you know, just there, there were good reporters who had this and, you know, came to basically the conclusion you said. It's it's the people who were, were reaching for something when Sanders, you know, lost the nomination, basically. Yeah. And it's kind of a bad time for everybody. Uh, speaking of losing the nomination and getting us off this topic, Justin Amash, not <laughs> going to be the Libertarian. Whew. I mean, yeah, that's it's kind of weird that he did such a big splash with it before he decided to drop out. But yeah, I, I, really I think he really. Wonder. I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I, you might be going on the same track, but I I have to wonder if he was influenced by some of the polling that came out that showed that he would actually pull a fair number of Biden voters. Yeah, I, I think People you're absolutely right Trump. on that. When it looks like, you know, you might be an option for Republicans to vote their conscience, with, uh, conscience without voting for Trump, it's one thing. But when, you know, you look at the polling and you actually see that, no. You're, you're hurting more than you're helping. Uh, I have learned a lot about Amash. I don't agree with the guy, but I do believe Amash has principles. I do believe he believes in the shit that comes out of his mouth, which is kind of a rarity on that side of the aisle. Um, <laughs> and him being willing to like accept getting kicked out of the party, come what may, uh, really went a lot to that. Like, he demonstrated... With, you know, his own ass cashing that check, uh, that that he wasn't going to, like, bend the knee, and he was going to stick by what he said. Uh, I, I think he's on the team we want to have a country to fight about in four years, basically. Um, and that could be completely wrong. I'm just, it's a feeling I get. He'd rather have a country to fight with the Democrats over in four years than, you know, get Trump reelected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll stay in Congress then. We got a new stimulus bill out of the House that is uh, possibly going nowhere in the Senate. I don't know what the latest on that is, but Connell said it was dead on arrival, but he might be wrong. Yeah. I mean, the president I, I really him. kind of wants this. <laughs> uh, they've been making noises through the Treasury Department and Mnuchin that they'd be open to recurring payments and whatnot. If Trump gets behind it, I don't know if McConnell can mm. can really stand this. And Trump really needs to juice the economy, man. <laughs> like, he really, really does. Uh, and I, it's weird, but I think we'd let him. I'd rather yeah. have the economy juiced, even if it makes his reelection more likely. But also, once you give Americans a little bit of a taste of universal basic income, I think they're going to be less, you know, yeah, less conspiratorial about it in the future. Maybe, maybe the next time we have an economic downturn, they might be more open to it. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is the first stimulus bill that is really mostly aimed at the at, at most of us. <laughs> you know, the others mm -hmm. had kind of like gravy train for all the usual people who get the gravy train, plus a little bit for the mass populace. And this is really much more of the take care of the consumers, take care of the workers out there who are going to need some kind of ongoing support. I, I can't see that you can avoid doing this. You know, a few months down the line, it's an absolute election killer if you're a Republican and you're saying, we're not going to be doing this, and the unemployment numbers are still as high as they are, and all the support starts getting cut off. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know what businesses are surviving on. I, I have spent very little in lockdown. I mean, I spent like 120 bucks to build that little Raspberry Pi 4 all-in-one thing I did, and then we spent maybe like 30 bucks on some cat shit, and 100 bucks, <laughs> 150 bucks every like two weeks at the grocery store. That is it. Right. Yep. Yeah, in the last two months, I think we have spent a grand total of like $800 on things that weren't rent. Yeah, I mean, I do all the grocery shopping for our household, but uh, yeah, my wife has checked her credit card balance and it was for the last two, three months, I think only 500 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, just... I don't know. Giving people money to spend sounds like a good idea. And, you know, Democrats want it. I think Trump's going to want it, too. I mean, he can read the polls as much as anybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he needs the economy back. Uh, so, yeah, I, McConnell's going to try and hold it back, but I, I ultimately feel... If Trump gets behind it, he can't. And if Trump doesn't get behind it, he's seeding the election. Right. Because, I mean, I don't know, think about a lot of the people who that money would help and who want it. It's, you know, a lot of white working class voters in Pennsylvania, a lot of, you know, black voters he's courting in Michigan. There's a lot of people who are prime demographics that he's hoping to hold on to, to, like, keep his midwestern firewall that would really benefit a lot from these and i could see getting extremely angry that they're not getting them but maybe that's wishful thinking yeah we'll see yeah we'll see what happens this week uh, with that bill and where the senate comes down on it uh speaking of the senate there's a bunch of them in trouble for insider trading <laughs> Uh, Burr, the senator from North Carolina, has stepped down from his position as uh, chair of the Intel Committee as long as this investigation is going on. Uh, he was served a warrant. The FBI got a warrant for his phone. Uh, a warrant means that the FBI convinced a judge it was highly likely that they would yeah. find evidence of criminal activity on that phone, <laughs> uh, which does not speak well to... Uh, to Burr uh, and his actions. Uh, Feinstein no. is also kind of wrapped up in this, except not really. Um, her husband might be a target. She is not specifically a target. Uh, but they think her husband might have been insider trading, trading on information that was in their household from briefings that she went to and she talked about, uh, and she voluntarily turned over a bunch.
bunch of communication stuff for the FBI to look at investigating her husband. Uh, and I don't know how Loeffler hasn't been tied up in all this. She's yeah. the clearest cut case. I mean, the only reason I can think of it is they don't need a fucking warrant. They've already got her. It's the only reason I could think that she hasn't been served with anything yet. Well, she I have a way more conspiratorial thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Which is they need her. They need her to keep hold of the Senate. Whereas Trump people don't really like Barr. And he's on the way out the door. I mean, he's not running for re-election in 2022 when he's up. Is it 2022? I thought it was 2024. I don't think... I'm trying to think when he's opened it. I think it's 22 because he was up in 16. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but if that were the case, I, I think it'd make it a lot harder of a time for Feinstein than they are. Yeah. Well... I mean, she's probably not going to be running for re-election either, but yeah, I mean, it might be the sort of thing where it's a a sacrifice to try and hustle him out the door so he stops, you know, dragging down Tom Tillis with him, might be the thinking. Right. I don't know. But yeah, Lof I think it might mostly be that Loeffler's untouchable because, you know, she's loyally MAGA and uh, they need her to win re-election. Although I guess she's in more significant trouble in the Republican. She's not going to be the nominee. There is not a chance in hell she is a Republican nominee. Yeah. She's down like 20 points last I saw. Hmm. Uh, Let me me check RCP. Uh, It's not RCP, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the National Review has her down 40 points <laughs> to Representative uh-huh. Collin. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it was the Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll. 29% mm. of Georgia voter of Georgia Republican voters favor Collins, uh, while Loeffler uh, had 11%, or excuse me, 29% overall. Among Republicans, uh, it was Collins 62, Loeffler 18. So uh, Loeffler actually does better with Georgians overall than she does with Republican Georgians. <laughs> right, which is actually good news. Yeah. Uh, and that poll is in line with an earlier uh, poll from last month that had Collins up 36 points and a poll in March that had Collins up 22 points. So he's just been growing and growing and growing. She's not going to be the nominee. I mean, to be honest, Trump wanted the governor to pick Collins. He told him to pick Collins. The governor picked Loeffler anyway. Why not just force the governor to do it uh, you know, over again and pick the right guy this time? Trump wants to say no, indict Loeffler. Make the governor appoint Collins. That's what Trump wanted in the beginning. I, I just don't see any reason that Loeffler is not, like, already on the hook. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I do think Collins is more of a general election risk, but so is she. So, 
Right now, certainly. <laughs> so neither of them are great, but Collins is a much more MAGA Republican. Loeffler is, I mean, <laughs> cosplaying as being a Trumpist, but she has not been one her entire life. She was a more or less socially liberal, fiscally conservative, like businesswoman who was a Republican because she had lots of money. She was not like a movement conservative. She was not uh, frothing at the mouth, Rush Limbaugh listener or anything like that. She was what would basically pass for a normie Republican back in like the 70s or whatnot. Okay. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll go local. The biggest story, uh, domestic terrorist Matt Shea is not going to be in Congress next term. Hmm. Or he, I guess he could run as a write-in in theory, but yeah, he's not on the ballot. Which is wild. Yeah, he uh, he was labeled a domestic terrorist by a number of governmental organizations uh, in terms of ringleading a uh, well a, a protest over a sheriff and then a protest over some land and really just he had his mitts in with the militia movement pretty hardcore from the uh, really from the top to the bottom on that. Uh, yeah, he, he was part of the I think it was part of the Christian identity movement, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that was yeah. that was his particular strand. Yeah. Which, you know, is a neo-Nazi belief that white Christians are a persecuted race and need to have a homeland in the Pacific Northwest. It's a thing up here. Sorry, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we apologize to the rest of America for it. We are as annoyed as you are. There's a lot of them out there now. <laughs> they dropped off flyers yeah. on my porch one day. Uh, I even posted about him on Facebook. Uh, this was like four or five years ago. Uh, they had the Cascadian flag over uh, a map of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and a bit of Montana, like that square that's, you know, Cascadia. Uh, and then on the back, we're talking about a white genocide and how we need a homeland for white people and all that. Yeah. Mm. That was back when I was living in Gladstone over by Oregon City for like a year. So full on separatists then, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a hundred percent part of the movement. The the homeland in the Pacific Northwest for white Christians and like the coming race war is one hundred percent part of it. Uh, and it, it's it's a pretty big idea out there among those groups. Um, yeah. I, I I like following along to like true crime and specifically like cult stuff and whatnot. So maybe I hear more of this than I should have. But this is like a strain of the American militia movement that I've been aware of back to like high school and whatnot. And that goal has always been clear. Uh, yeah. It's part of I, what Ruby Ridge was all about. Uh, they shared some of those beliefs. Yeah. That's it, all the way back to the eighties. There was like a white homeland in Idaho movement. It is part of the fabric of cultural identity up here that I really wish would go away. It, it's it's so weird because it's so counter to what I know about the Pacific Northwest. It's very, well, it is very white, but it's very accepting of diversity. We like to get our hands from as much diversity as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Washington has one of the highest foreign-born population rates in the United States. They, they attract people from all over the world. And it's something we take pride in environmentally conscious, the very, you know, 
communitarian feel to it, socially liberal, even if it's mixed with a little bit of libertarian, don't bother me type, type feeling. Uh, but the whole Christian identity, white supremacist movement is unfortunately here. And Matt Shea was very deep into that. I'm very glad to see that he will not be returning to Congress. Here, here. All right. Well, uh, that's going to be good for this week. Hey, we actually filled like 40 minutes. That's that's a record for like the last two months since the yeah. coronavirus <laughs> came in. Good job, guys. We knocked it out of the park this week. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. Next all week, right. all. Later. Night, everyone. Bye.